Chapter 21 $20 Question Hatsy slapped three plates on the counter with a flourish. Pete leaned over and sniffed the dark, wonderful-smelling meat in front of him. The first bite surprised him. It was different from what he had expected. Very rich-tasting and a little sweet. It was good, though, and he was hungry. But he couldn't see why anyone would risk going to jail to get it. After they had polished off their plates in silence, Hatsy said, Custer, this drugstore cowboy is going to feel starved unless he gets apple pie and ice cream. I don't know where you hide it, so you better take over. As Custer dished up dessert for the three of them, he said, How about telling me exactly what this little rumpus is all about? If Moore would give us some help, we could spin you a pretty good yawn. Patsy replied. Pete, you tell him what you know. Moore and the driver had been sitting perfectly quiet. Neither of them showed any interest now. Pete told Custer about Moore's arrival at the ranch and about seeing him later at around their camp. He told of finding the signs of duck poaching, of the motherless fawns, and the mustangs that had been killed. He described Moore's camp and his skill with the bow and arrow. At that point, a huge trailer truck pulled up in front of the diner and the driver came in. He whistled when he saw the two captives lashed to the stools. What are you doing, Custer? Sticking up tourists? Aren't you satisfied with the prices you already hold them up for? Custer explained briefly and then asked Pete to go on. Pete began again and told of finding the jeep in the sand and the letter from the hotel in Colorado Springs. I know that joint, the truck driver interrupted. It's a place for swells, the kind that think money can buy anything. Must be they get a special kick out of eating stuff that ordinary people can't have. Well now, I've figured something out, Hatsy exclaimed, addressing Moore. First I thought maybe you were a rustler, but then I couldn't see how your run-sized stink wagon could haul enough of any kind of meat to be worth your while. You must be getting a mighty fancy price for every pound of that stuff you shipped out. For the first time, Moore started to say something, then shut up. An impish look came onto Hatsy's face. He said to Custer, Waiter, fix Mr. Moore and his friend a glass of your best water with a straw, please. He'll pay for it at your regular rate. With that, Hatsy pulled a wallet out of Moore's back pocket, looked into it, and whistled. It's kind of hard to find anything as small as a one-dollar bill here. But he turned out, too, and gave them to Custer with great ceremony. Custer produced the water with straws in the glasses and laid the bills under his gun on the counter. Hatsy was obviously getting warmed up with an idea. He took all of the money out of the wallet and laid in a pile on the countertop. Mr. Moore... He said, acting like an auctioneer at a country sale. I know you all anxious to turn a quick penny. Here's a chance. This $20 bill is yours, and if you'll explain to my friends here what you're doing with your bow and arrow. Moore moved uncomfortably on his perch. Still, he didn't say anything. Hatsy looked around with a broad wink. The question is now open to anybody. That includes Mr. Moore's friend, too. I don't think we've been introduced. Gently, he pulled a wallet from the hip pocket of Moore's helper. Taking out the driver's license, Hatsy said, Folks, meet Mr. Harry Foster. Well, now, Hank, it doesn't seem like you're so well fixed. Less than ten dollars here. 
Maybe you'd like to answer that question I just asked for 20. It has to be a good answer though. Before Foster could even splutter, the trailer truck driver put in, I got an answer, and I sure could use $20. Your friend was playing Cupid with his bow and arrow. Best answer I've heard so far, Hatsy said, and he handed the bill to the driver who slipped it under his coffee cup. Pete had been perplexed at the beginning of this performance, but now he was laughing inside, fit to burst. He knew Hatsy. Moore's money was perfectly safe, but Moore already looked as if he might begin to talk. Pete politely shoved Hatsy aside and picked up another $20 bill. Gentlemen, he said, this money goes to anyone who can tell me why Mr. Moore wraps his meat up fancy like Christmas packages. That's easy, Custer said. Meat keeps better that way. You can throw ice all around it and it won't get wet when it's wrapped up tight. Water spoils meat. Pete handed him the bill. Custer put it with the others under his gun. Moore burst out at last. Give a guy a break. That's my money. You mean it's yours if you answer the questions right, Hatsy said amiably. The law ought to be here in about a half an hour. You better hurry up and talk. The money goes to the man with the best answers. Moore snorted, but said nothing else. After a moment, Hatsy said, This $20 goes to anyone who tells why Moore, Mr. Leonard Moore, shot Mustangs with his bow and arrow. Pete almost shouted, Because he's just naturally mean and likes to kill things. $40 for that answer, Hatsy chuckled and handed over the bills. Moore turned his eyes quickly from Pete. That's a lie, he said. I'd had plenty of practice on the target, but I needed practice on running animals if I was going to get enough deer out of the place to make it pay. Hatsy peeled off two more bills. You've tied for that answer, Mr. Moore, he said. Forty dollars to you, too. Maybe you'd like to bid on some of the other answers, and you could have the whole pile if you come clean. Everyone was silent. Hatsy rifled the bills like a deck of cards on the counter. Then he looked around. You fellas got any questions? How do I know you'll give me my money? Moore asked shrewdly. Tell you what I'll do, Hatsy replied. I'll put it back in your wallet and into your pocket right now. As long as you keep talking, it stays there. But if you don't speak up sensible, there's others I have good answers too. Moore was sweating by now. He seemed to figure that he had a lot to lose if he didn't talk and something to gain if he did. So he told his story. Pete wanted to catch every word. He heaved himself up so he could sit on the counter with his feet on the stool and lean toward Moore. Some of the things he heard he'd already suspected. Others were news. Moore used to be a butcher in a town not far north of New York City. Then he lost his job in the meat shop and got another as a caretaker on one of the largest states nearby. Some of the country around there in Westchester County was wooded, and even so close to the big city, there were deer. But the country law said they couldn't be hunted with guns. You could only shoot them with bow and arrow. And only during hunting season. Some people, including Moore's boss, got very skillful at this kind of hunting. And they actually managed to bring down a deer every now and then. Moore's boss was gone much of the time. When he was away, Moore pa practiced with the bow and arrow. One day, he was practicing in an open pasture. He saw a deer and shot it. It was his bad luck to be caught. The season was over. Moore was fine for poaching and his boss fired him too. 
He finally wound up in Colorado Springs with a job as a meat cutter in the Ashmore Hotel. There he discovered that the hotel security bought some game out of season. Of course, they didn't put it on the menu. The head waiter just whispered to special customers that they had it. Moore happened to find out how much the hotel paid for ducks and a grouse and a deer, so he decided he could make a lot more money poaching than he could cutting meat, and he'd do it in a real business-like way. First, he found out from Harry Foster where there was a good place for hunting. Harry delivered lettuce to the hotel every few days in his own truck. He was willing to deliver meat too now and then, so they went to work. At Forest Moore, concentrated on catching ducks with fishing lines while he practiced up on his archery. The Mustangs made good moving targets. Soon, however, he got his skill back and he was packing a deer into his camp every day or so on the bureau. On some of his trips, he had run across the horse trap and had broken the line fence. Then the burro got sick and died. He tried to get another pack animal, first at the ranch, then by stealing Sandy. Also, he wanted to make Pete's and Hatsy move away because he hated to run the risk of being discovered. Moore knew his main danger came from being seen. His noiseless arrows, of course, were much better weapons than a gun, the sound of which could easily have given him away to anyone passing by. Moore had taken every precaution against leaving evidence of poaching around his camp. He kept his butchering tools locked in a chest. After cutting up the deer on the table in his extra tent, he washed everything clean, carried away all the waste in the jeep, and buried it in the sand. He kept the jeep hidden among some overhanging rocks a quarter mile from his camp. After he got the telltale letter from the hotel about refrigerating his meat, he hauled in an ice box, and every time he brought a load of meat to Foster, they took back a load of ice, which Foster got for him. Nobody lived within miles of the route he followed along the foothills above the dunes. Except for Pete and Hatsy, he hadn't seen a soul in all the time he'd been up there. Since Custer was an inquisitive type, Moore and Foster had begun to meet inside the diner to talk business. Now, Moore concluded, you've got your story. How about giving me a break? You can divide half the money in my pocket if you let me escape before the law comes. Still trying to be a cheapskate, Hatsy jeered. Half the money. Well, all of it. Just let me out of here, Moore growled desperately. That only takes care of you, Hatsy said. What about your friend Foster here? For the first time Foster spoke, he was furious with Moore. Yeah, what about me? Maybe he'll give you his truck, Moore said with a sneer. For a smart city slicker, you don't learn very fast, Hatsy said, scornfully turning to the others. He just opened up the jail doors good and wide for himself by trying to bribe an officer of the law. You fellas were witnesses. Still sitting on the counter, Pete saw headlights approaching on the highway. Someone's coming, he said. Game's over. Team's going home. He hopped down and gathered up all of the money that was laying on the counter and stuffed it in Moore's pocket along with his purse. Hatsy replaced the wallet in Foster's pocket, too. Then he peered through the window as the car stopped in front of the diner and three men got out. Yep. Looks like we don't have to wait no longer, Hatsy said. A tall, youngish officer pushed open the diner door. Howdy, he said. Feller here who goes by the name of Hatsy? That's me, Hatsy said. And this here is Chicago Pete, the new cowpoke at Lim Perkins' place. He's responsible for catching the two coyotes you came out here for.